just put out an episode like yesterday, but I want to talk to you both because, well, our episodes are supposed to be kind of timeless, right? We're talking about Root in a context for advice for all ages, mm-hmm. right? But uh, we also live in 2021, which might be the golden age of Root, and so we should take advantage of it. And there is a brand new expansion that is available on Kickstarter right now, and I feel like we should talk about it in a topical way. Yeah, it's going to change everything. Um, <laughs> we have all these ideas about how Root's going to go, and this expansion's just going to shake everything up, which is great for us because we can do a whole year of podcasting, then the game's going to change completely, so you'll still have to listen. Yeah, so <laughs> I think we wanted to... <laughs> So I think we wanted to take today to just like do a really quick, hey, this is what's going on in our future. And though we won't actually have physical components for this until uh, later next year, we will have the print and play options available right now. So we can actually test out this amazing new expansion and try it for ourselves. Yeah, all this stuff is on uh, the Woodland Warriors Discord. Um and you can do it on TTS or you can print and play the files. And right now, almost everything from the expansion uh, is like there. It's like the factions are there, both the new factions, as well as uh, some of the new hirelings and the advanced setup cards. And I hear they're going to release landmarks in that uh, same vein fairly soon as well. Which I'm super excited about. The landmarks especially seem pretty cool to me. Ways to augment the map I'm already excited about. (laughs) So from one of you, can I get like an opening context of like what the Marauders expansion is real quick for those of uh, those listeners who are like a little bit out of the loop, maybe? The Marauders expansion uh, gives us two new factions, both of which uh, are are army factions with uh, high reach, meaning that they have a lot of policing that they can do on the board. Those two factions are the Lord of Hundreds... All right, aka the Warlord Rats, where they uh, have almost too many movement and battle actions uh, to to use them all. Um, it's insane. Uh, they also have fire tokens that will burn down entire clearings. So yeah, now um, called uh, called mobs. Oh, mobs. That's what it is. Yeah, nice. Wait, burn down clearings. Uh, like create ruins read. or literally remove the clearings from the game? Uh, remove all enemy building and tokens as well as any ruins. So it doesn't kill the warriors, but you burn down the buildings and tokens in that clearing. Holy moly. Yeah. And then also the other faction is the Keepers in Iron, which kind of are armored and slow badgers that have a kind of pick up and deliver mechanic where you are taking these relics to certain clearings in order to achieve bonuses and score points. Whoa. Um, it sounds insane and and they can soak hits like nobody's business but they are also cumbersome which means they can only move one warrior at a time as a base but they have ways to get around that so they kind of have a vagabond similar mechanic where the vagabond has to do quests and go to different destinations and stuff these guys have to haul relics yeah it's kind of like in between the vagabond and the cats and that like we're going to certain clearings but we have to have like a supply line almost uh, of caravans of badgers taking relics places. Um, very excited for those guys. Um, also, on top of the two new factions, we're going to get a bunch of hirelings, which are non-player factions that kind of have influence on the board. Maybe they have a couple warriors on the board that you can hire on your turn by spending influence with this whole new influence system. Um, and through those uh, hirelings, you're able to affect the board in different ways. Uh, the hirelings, there's six of them right now, six sort of like faction adjacent or inspired uh, hirelings. There are four based on the 
original four factions of Root, uh, like the Forest Patrol, the Last Dynasty, the Spring Uprising, and the Outcast. And so they sort of populate the board, and especially lower player counts, help to create a sense of, uh, you know, the forest is alive, there's uh, more stuff to kind of react to than just to other opponents. Um like we need more things to interact with in Root. <laughs> yeah, and on top of that, each of these hirelings things has two side, uh, kind of like a promoted and a demoted side, like a major powerful one and a minor powerful one, and you kind of have different ones activated depending on your player count. So on top of the variety of is that faction in the game or is it a hireling faction, you also have like which side of the hireling faction is even active. Oh, guys. Guys, I'm so excited. This is going to be amazing. It's going to be so good. And then the last uh, big thing, other than landmarks, which we don't know too much about, so we can't really speak to them. They're just ways to augment the map. But the last big thing, and this is going to take root by the collar, shake it up against a wall and go, (laughs) why are you the way you are? (laughs) And that's the advanced setup cards. This new advanced setup cards allow us to uh, get a new balance of factions that that seems appropriate, as well as uh, provides new setups that kind of shift the balance of the factions. Because some of the factions that in the old setup mechanic kind of had a hard time getting started now have a little bit of a boost. So Specifically, thinking about the cats, the corvids, and the lizards mm-hmm. all get a little bit of a buff to their opening setup so that, you know, right out the gate, they're a little more competitive and uh, kind of can throw their weight around a little more. So it rebalances the setup for any faction. When you say it's advanced setup, it's like alternate setup, right? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think the idea is once you've got a good handle on root and understand things, this uh, setup is kind of the advanced setup for players that have played a few times and can handle, uh, you know, making those big early setup choices with a little bit more facility. So you two have both been like kids on Christmas morning running down and opening up all the presents and yelling at me about how excited you are about it. And then before you can get halfway through what it is, you've opened up the next present. So let's go, which I love your enthusiasm. (laughs) Let's go through each of these just a little bit and explain like a little bit of their intricacies as we know them. Right. So the the information that we're providing today is a version of what the expansions look like, but due to playtesting, it might change a little bit from the finals, correct? Right. So the, the delivery date for this expansion, the Marauders expansion, is January 2022. So look for some of these things to absolutely change uh, over the course of the next, you know, six months going into production and all of that. Okay. Um, that being said, there has been uh, some playtesting going on behind the scenes, that led to kind of this place that we're in now. Um, so while there's definitely going to be some development still, these are pretty far along. Okay. Like there's, there's been a lot of playtesting already. So some of the mechanics will probably stay the same, even if a few of the specifics change. All right. Well, let's talk about some of these specifics as we know them. So actually, let's start with those the minor factions slash hirelings is what they're called, right? The hirelings, yeah. Right. So you mentioned that there's six of them. There's six different types that we can access that each come with a different type of power depending on it. How do we access them? What's what's the what's they when we say they're mini factions, they're like they are to the side of the conflict, but they can kind of work for anybody, right? Right. You're going to spend your influence, which is kind of a new thing in this expansion. Um, to uh, get 
the hirelings on your side or take them from other players. And the way influence works is you're going to roll these influence dice at the end of your turn after evening, after you've done all your card draw and stuff. And depending on how many pips you see, you will get that amount of influence. But some of the sides of the die have extra numbers, and that is like kind of a catch-up mechanic. You'll get more dots depending on how far behind the leader you are, meaning that you will have more influence to use these minor factions to help you catch up to the leader. So you get that influence, then what happens? Yes. So what you do is uh, you spend influence to take control of the hirelings and then you can kind of increase your control over those hirelings by securing them uh so a little bit of a tug of war kind of mechanic at play right so if you spend one influence you can take a neutral faction and put it under your control if you spend an additional influence you're able to secure that faction which means it's slightly under your player board and it's that much harder to remove for other players. For instance, if Kyle had a hireling uh, secured under his player board, it would take me one influence to just make it under his control and then one influence to bring it under my control for a total of two influence. So uh, that's a way that, yeah, you're going to be kind of tug of warring over these uh, extra powers at the table. Oh, it's just that simple. Like one, one has them on your side, two puts them more firmly on your side, and it takes that many to unseat them and bring them back over, right? Exactly. exactly. Okay. That's cool. Um, we don't have to go over what each of them does, but can we at least get a, like a brief overview of each of the six? Absolutely. So uh, there's four based on the original four root factions. Uh, so quickly talking about them, the cats one is called Forest Patrol. And that basically just puts a bunch of cats on the board that you can kind of control. And then on its demoted side, it's basically the field hospitals ability for the cats. So you can, you know, retrieve warriors by spending a card. Uh, There's the last dynasty that's based on the Erie dynasties. And its promoted side basically gives you a bird ball, you know, a bunch of bird warriors (laughs) to move around and control. Sure. Uh, And then its demoted side gives you the Lord of the Forest ability. Uh, which is, you know, if you tie for presence in a clearing, you rule that clearing. All right. So there's sort of a theme here. It's like whatever ability these kind of four base factions have, uh, it's sort of for sale for influence. Um, So similarly for the Woodland Alliance inspired one called Spring Uprising, you're going to be spreading these little tokens and then revolting. There's not like a base or warriors really, uh, just the revolting ability. Which and is super powerful. Demoted... Like you, you destroy everything in that clearing, right? Yeah, you blow yeah. it to bits. Yeah, cool. And the, the demoted side then is just the guerrilla war ability for hire. So you take the higher die roll in defense in, in a battle. Is yeah. defense is um, promoted and demoted sides reflective of them being secured slash called, or is that a different mechanic? Uh, it it has to do with player count. So if you are in a two-player game, I believe they will all be promoted, or maybe two of them will be promoted of the three. I think they're all three promoted. And then in a three-player game, two of them would be promoted, one would be demoted, and in a four-player game, one would be promoted and two would be demoted, I think. There's always three in a game, period. Are they randomly yes. chosen? Yes. Oh, that's great. Well, I, I think they would probably have to be chosen... 
I don't think you can have cats and forest patrol. I mean, all of this is going to get ironed out. I don't know. I haven't right. played like, with Like, are it. the pieces yeah. unique to the neutral zones, or are they using, like, pieces from that faction they're based on? Is that what you're saying? They are unique meeples, mm-hmm. so they look a little different. Okay. If you look at the cats meeples, for example, they have, uh, like, scars and a little plus on them. A little hospital plus. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They've been in a car accident. I see. Okay. They've, yeah, it's yeah. been a tough day for them, mm-hmm. just even getting to the forest. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, in the Eerie Dynasty, they've done their eye makeup much more extensively, I see. Right, okay. right. <laughs> Excellent. So, yeah, I kind of love that the hirelings act as the NPCs of the forest, in a way. Uh, you know, this forest is populated when these factions are struggling over it. That, to me, thematically is very cool. Well, what a way to switch up the game, too, beyond just the factions that are that are chosen by the players. You have three out of six possibilities, and then within that, two on each, you know on each of those possibilities that doubles it uh, to vary up the game options. Also, if you're on that Kickstarter, there is a extra hirelings pledge level where you can get even more (laughs) hirelings, which you better believe I got. (laughs) Let's, let's keep going over the next three real quick. I want to definitely know about them. Right. The the one that has become the most infamous uh, during the development period is definitely the outcast. Uh, it's a giant bear meeple, <laughs> and for anyone who got the first edition of Root back, way back in the day, uh, there was this like little bear character that was sort of mysteriously included in the pieces that you received, um, but didn't have a use back at the time. Well, now it's sort of grown into this hireling faction called the Outcast, and the bear lives in the woods, so in the forested areas between clearings, and it sort of... Uh, on your turn or during the the hireling phase comes out of the forest and battles in a clearing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And it's based on the vagabond or sort of inspired, I guess, loosely by the vagabond. So you can put items on the card so it can battle more. (laughs) Picnic baskets? And clubs. Clubs, okay. Clubs, a new item. A bear is dragging three clubs around. (laughs) I mean, he's a bear. He doesn't need a club. Like, his arms are clubs. Got but good for him. Claws at the end of his arms. They're great. <laughs> so, yeah. So, that's that's the, the major or a sort of promoted side. And then the demoted side is called the Brigand. And that just clears ruins and sort of takes the thief's ability of stealing cards from opponent's hands. Uh, and then we've got two sort of like, I, I want to call them like bonus hireling oh, factions. Yes. Ones that we we kind of just very, very recently found out about and have been drooling over. <laughs> Sam, I hope you brought extra napkins today. I, I, I didn't, and my desk is flooded right now. <laughs> so we have a stag uh, protector type character called the Furious Protector. And for it for being so furious, it sort of acts to de-escalate the board. <laughs> uh, so... It acts as a shield, like you can't place enemy pieces in that clearing. And then during the hireling phase, it will consume one warrior from each faction present in its clearing. Oh. <laughs> so I think of that as kind of de-escalating any situation there. You must remove one warrior from each player. Oh, interesting. So it's, yeah, like he's furious because he's mad at all the fighting going on. Like he's the mm-hmm. mature one of the forest. Even the picture, <laughs> yes. he is so much larger than this little mouse who's trying to stab <laughs> at him. He's like, what are you doing? The art on these. It's, it's like really a cute. professional wrestler versus a first grader is what it looks like. <laughs> 
Okay, that makes sense. I love this. All right. Yeah. Uh, and then the demoted side is called the Stoic Protector. And it basically just prevents battles. So in that way, it kind of, you know, just as it moves around, it's a little shield, essentially, that you can carry with you. Um, so yeah, prevents battles against the player who controls it. So that's the protector. The other one, the one that I was excited about earlier, is the Woodland Band. I <laughs> I actually think this one is going to be pretty sweet. Yeah. And as much as we're not talking about like the implications of <laughs> these things, I really do want to touch briefly on the implications <laughs> of Woodland Band because I think it's going to be like next level. Yeah. <laughs> so Woodland Band, uh, the promoted side. There's these performers, they play little wood flutes, and they're pink and they're super cute. And basically what what they do is if an enemy moves warriors into a clearing with a performer, they can't move out of that clearing on the same turn. They gotta stop and hear the song. They gotta stop and hear the music, exactly. (laughs) So they get enraptured, I guess, by the beautiful, you know, flute playing and, (laughs) and have to, you know, hang out and see the rest of the set. So... In, in my words here, it's like you kind of gum up the works yeah. on the board to take a phrase from uh, Twilight Imperium. That's going to suck for the Eerie Dynasties. They're like, that's a real uh, hindrance to your fulfilling your decree. Yeah, they're kind of like alternate snares. Mm-hmm. If you're familiar mm-hmm. with the Corvid Conspiracy's plot, the snare, kind of similar to that mechanic. Or like in Clank, how you have to stop in a crystal cave. <laughs> that's how I think of it. Yeah, exactly. And then the demoted side is called Traveling Band, and it's the same basic premise. Uh, Enemies cannot exit a clearing with a band warrior on the same turn they enter it, and uh, you just kind of like place those around the map. Wow. Fascinating. Yeah, gums up the works a little bit. I think it, it helps to create some interesting map situations like I, th- I think particularly for like the keepers and iron who have to move in a certain way in order to score points that might be rather troublesome yeah these all open up options in such interesting ways like so differently too and because they'll because they come in different pairings i guess not pairings in different sets in your game even their own interaction is is very interesting because like you could have a protector in a zone that also has a band member so like when a when a group moves in there they're forced to stay there and then lose a, a, a warrior as well at the end what a powerful ability or then the bear you know. comes in and smacks them all around <laughs> you, you'd have, to have a lot of influence this concert was fine until the bear ruined it <laughs> uh okay great that's hirelings thanks for explaining that um absolutely th- there's actually like one more little mechanic to talk about with hirelings okay. and sam i'm curious if you would be uh up for talking about the diplomat and the veterans yes. mechanic. yeah well veterans you play in a two-player game and it essentially is like an initiative that you can buy you become the first player. So in a two-player game, it's a real back-and-forth thing, but you can uh, use your influence to buy veterans and then basically take two turns in a row. Uh, So that's huge. It does cost three to do that, so that is hard to get that much influence in a turn since influence doesn't, like, roll over. You don't save it. Um, So that is an expensive one, but very powerful. Quite the catch-up mechanic, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you can imagine uh, crazy plays if you can go twice in a row. (laughs) Um, And uh, that's so interesting. And then in uh, three-plus player games, you play with two of these diplomat cards, okay? It costs two influence to get a diplomat card, and you give uh, another player a diplomat. 
And the players uh, with the diplomats are not considered enemies to each other. What? Okay. <laughs> so that's going to mess with a lot. And then uh, at the end of the controller's evening, you flip the card over. And uh, when uh, both diplomats are on their tired side, they're like exhausted side, uh, you flip them both face up and return them to the supply. So there's like kind of a timing a situation so they so the diplomacy only lasts like a round or two right essentially. right exactly these are crazy yeah like I... veterans is nuts how do you stop i mean that's gonna be every two-player game is gonna be like wait till i can get in position to use veterans and win right kyle and i did play a two-player game and it is so much more satisfying to play a two-player game with these hirelings and the influence system than it was previously um, and yeah, we, you, you really are planning around that initiative card a lot. Like I remember Kyle took a, a two turns in a row and I was like, how am I ever going to recover? And then I, because I was so far behind, <laughs> yeah. I had the influence to then do it, you know? So, um, so That's it's a fun. real fun. Yeah. It, it, it makes it a little bit more satisfying than just your turn, my turn in a two player game. I don't know. It, yeah. it does spice it up in a fun way. Interesting. Okay. Well, I think we understand that there are alternate setups, and I don't think we need to go real deep into those unless you feel there's anything really particular you want to highlight. I do feel obligated to mention that the Corvids start with a different setup, because that's pretty major. They start with an extra warrior and a plot already out on the map. This has been oh yeah, a huge buff to the crows i mean not like a huge buff but it it helps to keep them but they kind of needed it to get their engine rolling right because it was easy to shut them down because you want to rem uh, the other your opponents want to remove tokens and theirs is an easy one to remove right exactly exactly it, it gives them a it makes them a little sturdier mm -hmm. in the beginning of the game which is awesome okay cool Oh, I'm glad they balanced that out a little bit. That's great. Before we go, we definitely need to talk a little bit more in depth about each of these two new factions. Now, uh, we don't have to go down the whole board and go over everything they do, but let's look, let's get a an understanding of how their mechanics work in this game. We want to start with the Keepers in Iron? Yes. The Keepers in Iron. Uh, so I mentioned before that they have uh, an ability called Armored, which is in battle with any Keeper Warriors. They ignore the first hit that they would take. So... But they can just soak hits, which makes attacking them feel harsh. <laughs> like, who wants to do that, you know? Um, but as a result, they have Cumbersome, which means they can only move one warrior or up to three warriors if you move a caravan with them. So where they put these little caravans moving around the little groups of badgers is going to be very key. So caravans are tokens that they have. They're their tokens? Yes, uh, they have caravan tokens that mean that they can move more badgers at a time. So they are cardboard, therefore worth points, but they're not buildings, so they don't contribute to rule. Okay, okay, great. And relics? Uh, relics are their main thing. These are also tokens, um, and they have three different kinds. They have, like, these tablets, um, these kind of, like, stone trophy things, as well as these golden acorn necklaces. <laughs> Um, just the point is that you have a different track for each of these and, uh, also, uh, a suit depending on, uh, uh, they each have one of each suit essentially on your like little recovery track. It's hard to see, hard to explain if you're not looking at the board here, but essentially when they recover relics, they either get, uh, extra cards or extra warriors and, uh, 
two points. They also get bonus points if they complete an entire row, meaning that they get all the tablets or all the necklaces. Um, so they have a very interesting uh, kind of scoring mechanic that is very unique to them. And then what is their, I guess, so what does their turn look like in, in large picture? <laughs> yeah, they get to craft at the beginning of their turn, which is great. I love factions that craft at the beginning of their turn because a lot of the times you can use almost every card you would craft on the turn you craft it, which is handy. Then they uh, build. Uh, they have uh, one type of building, which are called way stations. And basically that's where they're going to recruit and they are able to also put caravans at way stations. Yeah, and uh, way stations are where they do the recovery action in order to kind of get those relics and score the points so wherever they have a way station on the map that's going to be a really important clearing to the keepers in iron and uh so you can kind of imagine that it's they, they have these caravans that they send out to recover relics from the forest or i guess uh delve into the forest to get relics and then they bring them back to the way stations to uh kind of process them. do they delve into the ruins or they just delve into a clearing so the, the relics all start in the forest areas. Oh, right. So okay. the keepers have to move around to where they can touch the forest and then kind of like reach into the forest to get the relics. Yeah, <laughs> they gather them into the clearing. Um, and of note that the badgers are in both of these factions are actually fairly card poor. There's not an inherent uh, draw of cards. You have to take uh, the escort action Um to uh, draw another card if you uh, have an escort mission. So you, there's definitely ways that you're able to draw cards, but it's a little bit more effort than most factions. Everything about the Keepers and Iron is sort of slow and sturdy. Uh, so like they can score a lot of points, but it just takes a while. And I, I think that's actually kind of nice thematically. Like this, this concept seems to hang together really well. And uh, I'm excited to try out the Keepers and Iron. Yeah. Especially when opposed by the Lord of Hundreds. Yes, this one is so rad. This one has been so much fun to play with. Like the limited playtesting that I've done for the expansion uh, has mainly revolved around the Lord of Hundreds. And I think this one is super fun. The main things with the Lord of Hundreds are the Warlord, which is this big pawn, uh, sort of the leader of the uh, Lord of Hundreds faction so marches around the board and attacks stuff. I will say he's uh, technically not a pawn. He is a warrior that can't be removed outside of battle, which is a unique thing. And this is important because when you lose him, which you definitely will, you're going to send your warlord into a dangerous situation. He will die. Then you just, on your next turn, you just choose a different meeple and he gets transformed into a warlord. We're like, <laughs> Kevin, Kevin's the new warlord. <laughs> Um, but the Warlord's thematically pretty cool because they have these tokens, as you can see, with the little flames on them. These are called mobs. And the Warlord generates these mobs, and at the beginning of their turn, any clearing that has a mob in it, uh, it destroys all buildings and tokens and removes ruins as well. So you can imagine like a, the mob coming into town along with the warlord, just sort of, like, wrecking everything inside. So the warriors stay alive. They burn down all the buildings and wood tokens. and yes. tokens. Yeah. The That's warriors crazy. Live. Now, how do you remove a mob? Do you have to fight it? Uh, you, you have to battle yeah, it, yeah. just like you would anything else. Yep. You can't calm the mob. You can't play music <laughs> and, like, you know, show them your concept album and let them see the light, right? They're just... Uh, hold on. I'm just realizing, though, you 
definitely could have the band play such a good song that you draw the warlord out of his own clearing to go listen. <laughs> He's a sensualist. The <laughs> um, and further proof of that is that this this uh, the kind of main mechanic of the warlord are these mood cards. I say main mechanic. There's a lot of stuff going on, but the mood cards are my favorite. Essentially, during the bird song, uh, you're going to choose a, a mood <laughs> that the warlord's going to be in. <laughs> and they have such delightful names as lavish, stubborn, grandiose, <laughs> rowdy, <laughs> and bitter. <laughs> so it's just, it's super fun. There's like a lot of story that you can, you can tell with the mood cards. They're one time, uh, they're, excuse me, they're one turn abilities slash um, active effects or passive effects. Exactly. They they remain active for the warlord as long as they're in that mood. Uh, face up in the mood card slot. And you just got to switch it out once at the beginning of your turn to a different mood. Um, the interesting thing is, so we, we should talk about the horde. So one, one of the things the Lord of Hundreds does is it uses items. Uh, the only other faction aside from the Vagabond that has a use for items beyond just their crafting points. So when the... When the Warlord crafts an item, it goes into the Horde. And there's two tracks in the Horde. There's the Command track and the Prowess track. And these items kind of help to uh, increase the number of actions the Warlord can take or increase the number of uh, warriors they recruit, things like that. And the nice thing is, is as you get more items in your Horde, uh, that actually removes certain moods that would be otherwise possible. For instance, if you get a T in the horde, your grandiose action will be uh, removed. Yeah, the mood will flip face down and you can no longer do it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. At the beginning of the game, you'll have a lot more uh, freedom to do different moods. But then as you kind of accumulate items, that mood pool slowly shrinks. What do the items... Sorry, what do they provide on you on the com command and prowess tracks exactly? Right, so in the command track, when you get items on there, it lets you take more actions during your turn. So, for instance, you start by being able to take one action, but as you get more items, you can start taking two, and then three, and so on. Great, and then prowess is an additional action thing based on their one of their daylight things. As well as recruiting. And how you recruit. Okay. So the more items, he, I guess it's like, his, yeah, his horde, H-O-A-R-D. Uh, I thought eventually you meant the horde as in H-O-R-D-E, as in the hundreds that he was commanding. But I see now it's his treasure yeah, horde. You'd think and, so. And as that so, grows, no. his esteem grows, so he has more ability to command more forces. Right. Oh, exactly. okay. Okay. Oh, this is bananas. I love this. It's it's pretty cool. It's sort of like an hourglass kind of thing. So you start with a lot of sand in the mood card area. Yeah. And then as you get items, that sort of transitions into your horde and then being able to take more action. Well, I wish I could just wake up in the morning and just choose my mood. That would be convenient. <laughs> but Jake, if you owned a crossbow, you'd never be bitter. <laughs> <laughs> I think one last thing on the Lord of Hundreds, though, is their special scoring mechanic, which is called a press, which means <laughs> they score uh, points based on uh, ruling clearings with no enemy pieces, which means they got to kill them all in order to score points. 
Right. And theoretically kind of oppress the folk of the woodland right. <laughs> into giving them points. And it's no something. enemy pieces, right? It's yes. it's not just uh, warriors or meeples. It's pieces. Interesting. Well, this has been a great preview of the Marauder expansion. Thank you both for guiding me through this. Of course. Would you like to play a game of this on TTS this weekend? Uh, yeah, definitely. Yes, please. <laughs> and listeners, if you're listening, please join us. For when we play some Root this weekend with all these new toys. And uh, we'd be happy to help people organize games on our Discord. So come join it. There's a link in the description of this podcast. We are on the Woodland War Machine channel. And we'll be trying to organize games with people to test out all this new fun stuff. In the meantime, we'll be back next week with another episode of Woodland War Machine. This little bonus episode was really for you and for us and our enthusiasm for (laughs) what's going on with this crazy game. Thanks, guys, so much for listening. Root, 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 root